new question. Okay. If I were to die, what would you do with my body? I feel like you're stalling. Maybe I might be. I kind of don't want to talk about it. Do we have time to stall? The only time we have is the time we take. That's empowering. Now who's doing the stalling? Burn it. Did I tell you I wanted to be cremated? I don't think so. And what informed this decision on your part? Pragmatism. I am going to haunt you. Can't do that. If all that is left of you is ash, then your soul can't make a connection with the world anymore. That's why there are no prehistoric ghosts. It's amazing how you can make something out of nothing and make it sound like credible information. My gifts are endless. It seems like something we should talk about, though. I'm supposed to lug you around somewhere? And all this? Bury you? Take the time to dig a hole out in the open big enough to hold you? Where? With what? Things won't always be like this. And even revolutionaries revere their fallen. Revolutionaries? You've been listening to your own propaganda. <laughs> yes, comrade. Indeed. And shame on you for discarding your righteous sister in arms so casually. Sister. Gross. We should introduce ourselves to an undertaker. Get some details, make some arrangements. Who won't hand you over to someone itching to falsify your autopsy? Cripple the movement that way? Nah, man, with all the fires, that part should be easy. Life hasn't always been fair to us, to me. I don't pretend to know what peace is. I have no frame of reference. I hope, though, that I'll find some in death. Finally. How can I do that if the man I love won't risk a little to see that the one thing I have some control over isn't taken from me like all the rest? Okay. How would you like to be buried? Cremated. Good people don't do things like this. <laughs> I'm going to save that look on your face. Oh, my heart. That was good. I feel nourished. It's like you're haunting me now. Did you hear something? I don't know. You say that a lot. Because there's a lot I don't know. I almost want to call him the tall man now. Somehow it feels less creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So? So, as you all know, now, somehow, the person we've been looking for is Emmerich Coe. You know that because when we said his name during our last drift, it appeared on the audio for the first time. We don't know why. And as many of you know, there's a lot of information suddenly available about him. There's... Hold on. Move. Let me take a look at it. So, there's a lot of information. Hold on, let me look at it. Obviously, 
We don't have as much anything as we'd like. Time? First among them. Disinfectant, a close second. It's a shallow cut. Keep that bandage dry. Shane is sleeping. His wound doesn't look as angry as it did earlier. He doesn't have a fever, but he needs his rest. We try to be so careful about what we say and don't say to protect where we are. We move three times this drift already, evading mics and protester warrants alike. He'll probably be mad at me when he wakes up, but impressed that I initiated a drift with all of these piecemeal components. I think it's safe to say that we're caught in the riots. There are riots everywhere, globally. So, caught isn't the right word. We are organizing. We are using our connections and taking advantage of the moment. These days, we traffic a lot in disposable pseudonyms, gray market tech, and expired medical supplies. Like everyone, we're always masked. We've been at rallies where they chant our names and receive some glances as we stood silent. That could be its own kind of danger, because the activists are rightfully wary of infiltrators, but we haven't been able to commit that fully to the lie, reciting our own names. We support the protesters with money, platform mapping, linking trusted movement leaders with one another over secure transitional nodes, then ghost onto the next hub. They are teaching us a lot. The people in this space are incredible. They've dedicated their lives to this work. We're just figureheads, but I'm realizing that can be important too. The mics ambushed us, started with the old favorites, tear gas and pepper spray. Then a spotter noticed a smaller unit approaching from a choke point. Someone managed to set off a klaxon before they got too close, but they deployed tracer barbs as the lines gave way. One tore through a store window. Shane got cut. It was chaos. We're pretty sure we're being followed, and obviously things have gotten complicated. The tall man's name showed up in the feed, but it also appeared spontaneously on the queue. Not spontaneously. It seemed to have coincided when we spoke his name, like an incantation that summoned a wraith from the shadows. So we know some things. We know he founded the Pathways Initiative. We know that he invented the behavioral models for systems, banks, interchanges. We know that he's rich. He's American. His parents are Nigerian. He's anywhere between 6'10 and 7 foot. He's got skin like he was painted in pitch. He's got to be one of the most recognizable people on the planet. If we assume that all that is out there now is everything, there's still not much to go on, but all the obvious roots to him are now obvious to everyone. So, we run in circles trying to ferret him out for answers. For help. Tully's speeches have targeted us specifically as harvester terrorists. Harrison's online sermons are these incoherent screeds that basically support the idea. Manhunts for him are manhunts for us. Any help we receive puts someone else in danger, so even though everyone in the world knows our name, we are still as anonymous as we've ever been. Still alone, despite the support of millions. To all within the sound of my voice, thank you. I'll take the liberty since my baby needs his rest. Which brings me to this. The next letter. 
It's from my father. It's a recording, which means it might be a marker. The last time I heard his voice, it put me on my ass. If I don't take the time to listen now, I don't know when or where we'll be. Every direction we veer towards just seems to thicken the quicksand around our ankles and then our knees. And right now it feels way steep. We need help. I don't know what else to do. I'm in the hospital. I'm sick. My first symptoms started four days ago, over the weekend. Memorial Day weekend. I told you I... I told you I'd be home. Flight 1984 out of LaGuardia. I was in seat 33C. My reservation number was WUBVSP. <laughs> number. It's all letters. I didn't realize that till just now. <clears throat> we got uh, diverted to Houston. They didn't tell us why at the time. I was listening to a podcast, so I didn't hear him at first. The flight attendant, coughing, struggling for breath. It was like I'd been transported back into the triage tents. I didn't even realize I'd unclipped my belt. I, I just w wanted to help him. I held him while people screamed, backed away, or prayed. He didn't make it off the plane. They quarantined the entire flight while testing came back. My throat wasn't painful, but it wasn't right, so I chalked it up to psychosomatic influences. I wasn't worried. I just wanted to be sure that I could look your mother in the eye and tell her that everything was fine. That I'd kept my promise. I'm tested pretty regularly, so I wasn't worried. I didn't panic. I just waited in a dingy motel a measly 222 miles away from you. I had been so ready to leave New York in all of its vast empty. And here I was at the finish line. Till someone pushed us off the track. I was scrolling through pictures of you two when I got the call. I asked a lot of questions. I know all the protocols by rope, but I still had so many questions. God. <clears throat> so, that was uh, Saturday? Saturday. They're gonna keep me for a few more days. I haven't improved. In fact, things have gotten a little worse. I'm in bed right now, laying next to a ventilator, draped in plastic. There are suction tubes and monitors, and you can probably hear the beeping, the oxygen tanks, constant wheezing of machines. The staff knows they can't lie to me or stall me with jargon, but they try out of habit and apologize when they see me, see them. Even behind the masks, I can read their faces. I'm recording this on my phone. I'm not supposed to have it, but 
I, I can see why they take it from you. Germs and anxiety bound like mortar and cement encased in plastic and glass. <clears throat> A man named George Floyd died today. Wait, that's just not right. He died Monday. He was murdered on Monday. But the video became viral on Tuesday, and the headlines caught up today. Wednesday. His name, the man the cops killed. His name was George Floyd. By the time you hear this, his name will be lost like all the rest. Sunken treasure buried under tons and tons of cold, indifferent waves. There were four cops and a crowd of onlookers. One of the cops, the cop, had George Floyd on the ground handcuffed and leaned into his neck with his knee casually for nine minutes. Yeah, that's, that's wrong. It wasn't casual. It was defiant. The people pleaded with him. George Floyd said he... He couldn't breathe. Over and over again. Before he died, he called out for his mother. He told everyone there that he was going to die. His mother is dead. I... I didn't know that before. I, I just read that. Oh, fuck. And, and this cop with his hands in his pockets, a smirk on his face, he dared anyone to do anything. Dared anyone to care. He knew that there would be no real consequences. He was sharing his impunity with the world, and he knew that they wouldn't give a shit. They all eat from the same trough, and it's brimming with our meat and bones. You know, most, most white people aren't even aware that they see us as no more than animals. But they can't explain why seeing us slaughtered doesn't move them the way... A mutilated dog might on the highway between where they're going and where they've been. No one will remember my name. I will live on in you, my children. But I will die more as a statistic than a man. I told you before that I regretted coming here. That's not true. I just wish I did. I helped people here. People who really needed it. Who would have died if it hadn't been for me. Maybe one of their names will live on and I can share 
a scrap of their immortality. It's enough that they will go home to their families. I didn't intend to sacrifice mine for theirs. The flight attendant. <clears throat> the flight attendant. His name was George Adiacho. He grew up in New York all his life. He, he used to be a police captain. Retired and decided to practice his comedy routine on domestic flights during landings and takeoffs. <laughs> he was loved. I just wouldn't have been worthy of you if I had done nothing. But now I wish so much that nothing was exactly what I'd done. I love you. So, maybe that was a mistake. Oh, uh, uh, sh Shane. I have the strangest dream. Right?